0: For joining me here at Walking in the Woods with Dogs, um, I'm going to continue with B.F. Skinner's Science and Human Behavior, and we are up to Chapter 21, the title of which is Group Control. I mean, does this stuff ever stop being interesting and and relevant? It doesn't seem to be um, always always really interesting to have the opportunity to see what Skinner had to say about the group control of behavior. I want to thank you folks for subscribing to this podcast, which I think it increases the likelihood that people will find it. Um, I am a, a one person show here. I produce this myself, so I don't, um, it's no, no great shakes, but I do the best I can. And, um, just hope that that um, more folks can can access the information that has been provided to us by BF Skinner. And I want to thank my friends and folks for sharing information and sharing this that this podcast exists. And I want to thank Joe for sending me an email um, and thanking me and encouraging me to keep going with it. I really appreciate that. Okay, so without any further ado, we will get started with Chapter 21, Group Control. The individual is subjected to a more powerful control when two or more persons manipulate variables having a common effect upon his behavior. This will happen if two or more persons are moved to control him in the same way. The condition is usually fulfilled when the members of a group compete for limited resources. A social system, in the sense of chapter 19, is then established in which one man's positive reinforcement is another man's negative. In the expression, the spoils of war the reinforcement of the conqueror is named for its aversive effect upon the conquered the child who takes a toy from another is thereby reinforced but the loss of the toy is aversive to the other child the successful suitor inevitably creates an aversive condition for other suitors since an individual may affect all other members of a group in this way their counter-control may be undertaken in concert. All the other members become what we may designate as the controlling group. The group acts as a unit insofar as its members are affected by the individual in the same way. It need not be highly organized, but some sort of organization usually develops. Controlling practices acquire a certain uniformity from the cohesive forces which lead individuals to take part in group action, Chapter 19, and from their mode of transmission from one generation to another. The principal technique employed in the control of the individual by any group of people who have lived together for a sufficient length of time is as follows the behavior of the individual is classified as either good or bad, or to the same effect, right or wrong, and is reinforced or punished accordingly. We need not seek far for a definition of these controversial terms. The behavior of an individual is usually called good or right insofar as it reinforces other members of the group, and bad or wrong, insofar as it is aversive. The actual practices of the group may not be completely consistent with these definitions. The initial classification may have been accidental. A conspicuous bit of behavior, which was only adventitiously correlated with reinforcing or aversive events, came to be classed as good or bad accordingly. Our definition applies literally to the origin of such a superstitious practice, but does not fit any current effect. A classification of behavior may also continue in force long after it is out of date. Behavior often continues to be branded good or bad, although through some changing conditions, it is no longer reinforcing or aversive. The classification may also be defective because of the faulty structure of the group. All members may not participate to the same extent. Since an act may have different effects upon different members, some of whom may, therefore, classify it as good and others as bad. Subdivisions of the group may conflict with each other in the direction of their control. For example, The use of physical force is generally aversive to others and hence called bad, but it may be classified as good by those who exhibit similar behavior in controlling a third party, either within or outside the group. Behavior which is immediately reinforcing may have long-term aversive effect. The behavior of seduction, or of exerting undue influence, is often effective through positive reinforcement, but the ultimate consequences may lead the victim, as well as others, to classify it as bad. The group as a whole seldom draws up a formal classification of behavior as good or bad. We infer the classification from our observations of controlling practices. A sort of Informal codification takes place, however, when the terms themselves come to be used in reinforcement. Perhaps the commonest generalized reinforcers are verbal stimuli, good, right, bad, and wrong. These are used together with unconditioned and other conditioned reinforcers such as praise, thanks, caresses, gratuities, favors, blows, blame, censure, and criticism to shape the behavior of the individual. The actual controlling practices are usually obvious. Good behavior is reinforced and bad behavior punished. The conditioned aversive stimulation generated by bad behavior as the result of punishment is associated with an emotional pattern commonly called shame. The individual responds to this when he feels ashamed of himself. Part of what he feels are the responses of glands and smooth muscles recorded by the so-called lie detector. Chapter 10. The relevance of this instrument to lie detection is based upon the fact that lying is frequently punished. Another part of the reaction of shame is a conspicuous change in normal dispositions. The social offender acts in a shamefaced manner. Any or all of these emotional conditions may be directly or indirectly aversive, in which case they combine with other conditioned aversive stimulation in providing for the reinforcement of behavior which displaces or otherwise reduces the probability of the punished response. The best example of such behavior is self-control. The group also directly reinforces practices of self-control. Why the group exerts control. In explaining any given instance of group control, we have to show how the behavior of the controller Is interlocked with that of the controlee in a social system. We must also show that both are adequately accounted for by the specified variables. In a given instance, good behavior on the part of A may be positively reinforced by B because it generates an emotional disposition on the part of B to do good to A. This explanation is not very satisfactory because it simply appeals to a standing tendency to do good, but it seems clear, simply as a matter of observation, that the behavior of favoring another is modified by appropriate emotional circumstances and that good behavior on the part of another is a case in point. The mother reinforces her child in a burst of affection when the child's behavior is especially good or right. Another possibility is that the group appropriately reinforces good behavior just because the probability of similar behavior in the future is thus increased. The gratuity may be given to guarantee similar service in the future. It then has nothing to do with gratitude as an emotional disposition to favor others. The community also teaches each member to thank or praise the individual who has behaved well and to do so even when the member himself is not directly affected. An act of heroism is acclaimed by many people who have not, in this instance, been positively reinforced. The educational practice generates good behavior in the individual by assuring the proper reinforcing behavior on the part of the group. The emotional dispositions which lead the members of a group to punish bad behavior are, unfortunately, more obvious. Anyone who injures others, deprives them of property, or interferes with their behavior generates a heightened inclination towards counterattack. This statement is again merely an appeal to an observed increase in the tendency of individuals to act aggressively under certain circumstances but there are variables outside the field of emotion which work in the same direction. If A's aggression is momentarily reduced through B's counter-aggression, we have seen, of course, that the long-term effect is different, B will be reinforced. B's behavior in punishing A may thus be due simply to operant reinforcement. It is sometimes argued that an emotional disposition to counterattack is the basic variable. That's why we always strike a child in anger, and that any interpretation of the behavior as intellectual is a mere rationalization. Chapter 18. But the practice could arise in the absence of an emotional variable. One could punish objectionable behavior simply to reduce the probability that it will recur. Educational agencies also encourage the use of punishment to control bad behavior, and they generate a tendency to exert the control even though the individual himself is not at the moment involved. The agency may work through emotional variables, for example, by generating resentment or indignation with respect to dishonesty, theft, or murder, or through operant reinforcement by appeal to the consequences. The effect of group control. The control exercised by the group works to at least the temporary disadvantage of the individual. The man who has been positively reinforced for giving his possessions and services to others may find himself thoroughly despoiled. The group has generated behavior which, although it achieves the positive reinforcement accorded good behavior, also creates strongly aversive conditions for the individual. Among the forms of good behavior strengthened by the community are practices of self-control in which the behavior, which might result in extensive reinforcement, is weakened. That the individual suffers when bad behavior is punished is more obvious. Punishment itself is aversive, and behavior which works to the advantage of the individual at the expense of others is, temporarily at least, suppressed. Punishment is also the principal variable responsible for the behavior of self-control, which as we have just seen, also reduces primary reinforcement. In short, the effect of group control is in conflict with the strong primarily reinforced behavior of the individual. Selfish behavior is restrained and altruism encouraged, but the individual gains from these practices because he is, in par- he is part of the controlling group With respect to every other individual. He may be subject to control, but he engages in similar practices in controlling the behavior of others. Such a system may reach a steady state in which the individual's advantages and disadvantages strike some sort of balance. In such a state, a reasonable control over the selfish behavior of the individual is matched by the advantages which he gains as a member of a group which controls the same selfish behavior in others. The power of the group is, of course, great. Even the political tyrant, the despotic father, the bully in the street gang, or any other exceptionally strong individual usually yields eventually to the group as a whole. The less talented may be wholly submerged by it. In discussing psychotherapy in Chapter 24, we shall consider some of the consequences of excessive control. Fortunately, the group seldom acts efficiently enough to press its advantage to the limit, and its full power is probably never felt. Classifications of behavior as good, bad, right, or wrong are seldom clear-cut, and they are not consistently supported by all members of a group. Certain organized subdivisions of the group, however, may make better use of their power, as we shall see in Section 5 justification of group control. Certain familiar questions in the field of ethics may have occurred to the reader. What do we mean by good? How may we encourage people to practice the good life? And so on. Our account does not answer questions of this sort in the spirit in which they are usually asked. Within the framework of a natural science, certain kinds of behavior are observed when people live together in groups. Kinds of behavior which are directed toward the control of the individual and which operate for the advantage of other members of the group. We define good and bad or right and wrong with respect to a particular set of practices. We account for the practices by noting the effects which they have upon the individual and in turn upon the members of the group according to the basic processes of behavior. Ethics is usually concerned with justifying controlling practices rather than with merely describing them. Why is a particular bit of behavior class as good or bad? The question is sometimes answered by asserting that good and bad have been defined by supernatural authorities. Although a science of behavior might help in designing educational practices which would encourage people to be good and dissuade them from being bad, according to a given authority, it can scarcely pass upon the validity of such a definition. When it can be shown that a classification leads to results which are positively reinforcing to the individual who reveals the word of authority, another sort of explanation is available. Such an explanation need not question the ultimate, possibly beneficial effect of a classification. Attempts have been made to avoid an appeal to authority by finding other bases for a definition. It has been argued that a particular form of individual behavior or the controlling practice which produces it is to be recommended if it can be shown to work for the greatest good of the greatest number, to increase the sum total of human happiness, to maintain the equilibrium of a group, and so on. The original problem remains, however, because we still have to justify the criteria why do we choose the greatest good or the sum total of human happiness or equilibrium as a basis for a definition? Science of behavior might be able to specify behavior which would or would not make for happiness, but the question remains whether it can decide that happiness is best in the ethical sense. Here again, we may be able to show that practices which are justified in terms of happiness have consequences which are reinforcing to the proponents of such a justification. It is their happiness which is primarily affected, but this is also irrelevant to the ultimate effect of the classification. Such a criterion as the greatest good of the greatest number represents a type of explanation based upon the principle of maxima and minima, which has often proved useful in the physical sciences. In the field of behavior, however, the definition of what is being maximized or minimized is unsatisfactory, as we might suspect from the enormous amount of discussion which terms like the greatest good have provoked. Even if these terms could be defined, the practice of characterizing a controlling practice as maximizing or minimizing Some such entity is very different from an analysis in terms of relevant variables. It is not impossible that the two could be shown to be compatible if physical dimensions could be assigned to the thing maximized, but this has not been done in the traditional study of ethics. The program of a functional analysis offers a course of action in which the problem of the definition of such entities may be avoided. Obviously, an important feature of any group is the extent to which it exercises control over each of its members. We shall return, in Section 6, to the question of whether a science of human behavior provides any basis for determining the most expedient extent of such control. The problem is quite independent of an analysis of actual controlling practices. Okay, well, that finishes up Chapter 21. Uh, Next up, we're moving into Section 5, which is uh, titled Controlling Agencies. And we will start with Chapter 22, which is titled Government and Law. So I I hope you're uh, enjoying this uh, podcast with plenty of food for thought as we think about the way groups control behavior and our own effectiveness. Uh, behavior is affected by group behavior. And uh, I hope you're all staying well out there and uh, finding whatever kind of reinforcement and enrichment you can find uh, to continue to enjoy learning and exploring and experimenting uh, with behavior that leads to fun reinforcement. Stay well, friends.